of the Bible reading this morning, we'll just read one verse. It's Hebrews 11, and it's verse 6. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're thankful that we can be here gathered together, Lord, around your word and uh, to look at this uh, wonderful truth, uh, Lord, this uh, word faith, uh, Heavenly Father, uh, that we can be saved by, Lord, we can, be, we can live by faith, and it's only by the blood of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. It's a particular faith, Heavenly Father. It's not faith in just anything. So, Lord, as we look at the Scriptures and be encouraged uh, again, Heavenly Father, by uh, faith, Lord, and what you have to say about it in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe may be seated. So in Hebrews chapter 11, we have what's known as the uh, great faith chapter of the Bible. You know, the passage that starts from the very beginning of creation and it moves uh, through the uh, history showing uh, how it is through faith that the people of God have endured uh, all of life's challenges. It's kind of like a, a biblical timeline, uh, if you like, uh, goes right from, uh, the, the, from the beginning right to the time of when it was written. But the word faith, it just simply means uh, belief. You know, the word in a broader sense uh, can apply to anything. You can have faith or belief in, in any number of things. But there's a difference, a big difference between uh, faith and what we would call biblical faith. So, because faith in a in a, just a generic sense, it just means that you believe in something. You know, then you, uh, you know, when you think about it, there's been many ungodly, you know, uh, rock and roll bands or performers that sing about faith. You know, they say things like, "Oh, you just got to have faith." You know, or they, there's one ungodly popular rock band. You know, they 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 even put Lord before it. You know, they say, "Lord, you've Lord, you've uh, got to keep the faith." But that's not biblical faith. The song's actually blasphemy. You know, I've even heard of uh, professing Christians that sing along to this song as if it even applies to their faith. You know, but they're they're deluded. You know, nobody. Uh, the last song on that, the last line on that song says, "Everybody needs somebody to hate." Oh yeah. I mean, that's not Christianity, is it? That's. Uh, you're deluded if you think that is. Nobody needs somebody to hate. But the first verse in Hebrews chapter 11, it defines what faith is. Look at verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So that, that's what makes faith faith. It's the substance, substance of things hoped for. It's the, the substance itself cannot be seen, but you can't deny that it's there. You know, the evidence of whatever is hoped for is seen in the, in the belief or the faith. I spoke to a guy on the street uh, just recently down at Hamilton last week, and uh, he tried to tell me that there's evidence to believe that, uh, that billions and billions and billions and even billions of years ago that there was an explosion that just 
made everything that we see today. And I said, hang on a minute. I said, you're looking at all the same evidence that I'm looking at. I said, you know, you've got no more proof than I'm, that I've got. You know, I said to him, you know, but you've, you've got a faith too. And I said, but they are in two different things. My faith and your faith are, are much different. I said, but you, you can't tell me you're looking at, at things that I'm not looking at. And I said, do you believe what ungodly men tell you? I said, I'm believing what God himself tells me in the Bible. You know, it takes faith to believe in the beginning God. But it also takes faith to believe that in the beginning, Big Bang. That takes a lot of faith too. But I say, let God be true and every man a liar. I'd rather believe what God says in his word. And we see it there. The biblical faith in regard to creation is in verse 3. But first we'll look at verse 2. Verse 2 says, For by it, this is, <coughs> excuse me, biblical faith, the elders obtained a good report. Verse 3 says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. See, people don't want to acknowledge our God as the creator of all things. Now they just believe that particles made more particles. You know, but then they've got to admit that you know, particles that made more particles must just disagree on how they came about. And uh, I believe that in the beginning God makes mo much more sense. But the faith I want to talk about this morning uh, is the biblical faith. Now if we look at verse 6 of Hebrews chapter 11 again, who is him here? It says, for without faith it is impossible to please him. So it's not just any old faith. It's a specific faith. It's faith in God. It says, therefore, he that cometh to God. So it's not talking about any old God. It's, talking about, it's not talking about just a higher uh, unknown power and you know, whatever that may be, because that's what you hear a lot of people say, oh, I believe in God, I believe there's something up there, or I believe uh, you know, there, there's a God up there somewhere. But biblical faith isn't talking about that God because there is only one God. It says, For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. You can't say that you come to God unless it's the God of the Bible. You must believe that he is. Any other God is not the God of the Bible. It just isn't. And the Bible says that there is only one God. 1 John 5, 7 says, For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three... Are one. one. John 1 14 says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. See, Jesus Christ, he is the Son of God. He cannot have God the Father and, he, and not God, God the Son. You cannot have God the Son and not have God the Father. If you have the God of the Bible, then you have the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because that is the God of the Bible. That's what the Bible says. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Spirit here, it's not just any old spirit either. Now it's the Holy Spirit of God that bears witness with our spirit, if you're saved, that you're a child of God. But the question is, does the Holy Spirit bear witness with your spirit that you're a child of God? Because if it doesn't, 
Maybe you're not a child of God. Is your God the God, is your God, the God of the Bible? Is your life led by the Spirit of God? And is your, is your life led by the Spirit of God and, does, and do you want to do the things that he wants you to do? Because without faith, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God. Romans 8, verse 8 to 9 says, so, that, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But if you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So the Spirit of God is also the Spirit of Christ. You can't have one without the other. You can't have the Father without the Son. You can't have the Son without the Spirit. You can't have the Spirit without the Son. You can't have any, any of it. You've got to have all three. These three are one. A lot of people say they believe in God. A lot of people say this. They say they have faith. They say they are spiritual. But Jesus to them is just another man who done some pretty good things. But he's, he wasn't just a man that done some pretty good things. He was crucified on a cross to bear the punishment for our sin and iniquity that we might be acquitted and made free. But that's not free just to sin and sin some more, but it's free to live for him. That's the freedom that we have in Christ. Now, Jesus said to people uh, that were rejecting him, and they were rejecting uh, the testimony that he was telling them about himself in John chapter 6, verse 23, and he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I, that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. See, there are, there are people, many people that say they believe in Jesus Christ. They say they have faith in Jesus Christ, but they're still in bondage to their sin. They're still in bondage to it. They don't really have a heart that wants to continue or live for the Lord. You know, they say they believe, but they don't want to follow Jesus Christ and what he says. Now, but that's not biblical faith. That's not biblical faith. A biblical faith in the God of the Bible, he wants to continue uh, living for the Lord and, and what he says. Because Hebrews 11, 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Yes, that's good. You must believe who he is. But now look at this, it says, And that he is a rewarder, of them that diligently seek him. See, some people say, oh yeah, I do. You know, I, I believe in God and I believe in Jesus. I, I believe, I have faith, I have faith. But it's just head knowledge of the facts. Head knowledge. Now everyone in hell right now, I believe, has head knowledge of the facts. But they wouldn't be there. They wouldn't be in hell if they didn't. Now, God is not an unjust God. He makes sure that everybody gets to hear the facts. But knowing uh, and believing the facts to be true, that's not biblical faith. So, in fact, everyone is actually in, is drawn to God by the facts. They're drawn to God by the facts. But it's up to the person of what they want to do with the facts. In John chapter 12, verse 32 to 33, we read Jesus saying... And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, 
will draw all men unto me. And he said this, uh, this he said, signifying what death uh, he should die. So when the Romans, they uh, crucified a person, they'd nail them to the cross while the cross is uh, on the ground. And then they would lift up the, the cross with these uh, ropes to the standing position. And Jesus said that when this would happen, <coughs> excuse me, he would draw all men unto him. And uh, two 2,000 years later, we should be able to test uh, those words that Jesus said. Uh, has he drawn all men unto him? So personally, I haven't come across anybody yet who hasn't heard of the cross of Jesus Christ. There might be some people out there, I don't know, but just, I'm just telling you personally. I haven't come across a person that doesn't use or at least know about the calendar system that is counted from the cross of Jesus Christ. Everyone I've ever met lives in the same year that I live in, counting from the cross of Jesus Christ. 2023 it is now. If they started counting back the other way from the cross of Jesus Christ, BC, uh, that was before, now after AD. I personally haven't come across a person who doesn't measure their birth year from the cross of Jesus Christ. Mine's 1972, that's 1,972 years from the cross of Jesus Christ. Now there are crosses all over graveyards. They're on all, almost on every gravestone. People hang off their ears. They wear them around their neck. People tattoo them on their bodies. They walk around with them on their t-shirts. I'm not justifying some of these things. I believe some of these things are, are not good and they're not pleasing to the Lord at all. But the facts of the cross of Jesus Christ have gone everywhere. When the Bible says that men are without excuse, I believe they're without excuse. Good excuse would say, I didn't know about the cross of Jesus Christ. But God wants people to know the facts. But the facts must move from the head to the heart and then send your gratitude from your heart to heaven and call upon the name of the Lord to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. That is biblical faith. But most men, they refuse the love of God to be saved. You know, they don't care. And it's because they're not grateful. Now, some are grateful in word, but indeed they're not grateful. Because you can say that you're grateful, but if you're not showing that you're grateful, that's just empty words. They're not continuing in his word. Now the word of God kind of just treads on their toes. Now they might have a Bible in the house somewhere, but it just kind of sits there like an ornament and they don't love it and they don't, they don't read it and they don't live by it. You know, some of these people uh, may once upon a time, once upon a time uh, read it, and, uh, but it's just sat there for 20, 30 years, just gathering dust. Romans 1, verse 18 to 21 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead, look at this, so that they are without excuse. But look at this, it says, because, because, that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Neither were thankful. 
but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. See, people end up in hell not because they didn't have enough head knowledge of the facts. You know, they end up there because they were never thankful. They were never thankful to God for what God has done to save uh, men from their sins, people from their sins. That's the reason that they're there. But it says God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Those that are thankful for the facts, know that those are people with a heart to live out those facts and continue in the word of God. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 28 to 32, says, and then Jesus said unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things that please him. Now see this, look at this, it says, As he spoke these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews, those Jews <coughs> sorry, which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then ye are my disciples indeed. So, and the, and the truth, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. But that's free from the penalty of sin, but that's free to continue in his word. You know, that can only come from a, a heart you know, that has a, a thankfulness or, or a gratitude towards God you know, for what he has done to save us from our sin. If you turn in your Bibles and we'll look at John <coughs> chapter 12, in this passage we see <coughs> many of the... Uh, chief rulers that were in Israel believe on Jesus. Now, but a person can believe on Jesus and they can uh, keep it all inside and, and never say anything because you know, it might interrupt their life or it might you know, upset the, 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 the job or the, the way they live and so they just kind of keep it all inside and yet they still say that they have faith. But that's not biblical faith either. And we'll see that. Look at verse 42, John chapter 12. Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him, but because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. See, it wasn't biblical faith that these uh, men had even though it says that they believed on him, otherwise Jesus wouldn't have had to cry out what he did next. Look at this, it says, then, then Jesus cries out, look at verse 44, he says, then, then Jesus cried and he said, he that believeth on me believeth not on me, but on him that sent me, and he that seeth me seeth him that sent me. So what, what is Jesus saying here? He's saying that, look, this is serious. You know, if you don't confess me, then you don't believe in me or God. He's saying that you cannot say that you believe in me and yet not confess Jesus Christ. You can't confess me, he's saying, and say you believe in God. These men wanted to believe in God and they even believed on Jesus, but they wouldn't confess him. 
He says in verse 46, I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth on me should not abide in darkness. These men wanted to hide. They didn't want to confess Christ. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not, for I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. And he that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. See, Jesus didn't come to, the first time to judge the world. He came to save the world. But if anyone rejects his words of salvation, those very words will judge that man his very words will judge that man at the last day. He'll be, con he'll be condemned for rejecting the words of Jesus Christ. So you can say that you believe in Jesus Christ, but do you confess him? In Matthew 10, verse 32 to 33, Jesus said, Whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father, which is in heaven. <coughs> the people say, how can you believe in a God you cannot see? But I say, if, if you can see it, then it's not faith. But all we need is the word of God. All we need are the promises of God. We sung that hymn, we're standing on the promises of God. Remember, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. But one day, biblical faith, it will be turned into sight for everybody that believes. 1 Corinthians 15, uh, verse 52 and 53, we read, uh, sorry, to 57, it says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. See, the law... It condemns the sinner. It pronounces doom to everybody that's failed to obey uh, God's holy precepts or the, or the things that he has in his word. And uh, that includes every one of us. You know, because every one of us cannot say that we have obeyed the law. That's why we need Jesus Christ. You know, but thanks be to God which give us, gives us the victory through Jesus Christ. You now, if it wasn't for the cross of our Saviour, of Jesus Christ, then there'll be no victory over death and hell because the law would condemn every single one of us. So how do we get the faith? Uh, the victory, sorry. It's through faith. The Bible said it's through faith. It says that faith is the victory. Remember, that's not just any old faith. It's the faith of the Bible. The Bible says, For whatever, whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. Who is he? He that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. But see, there's also a big difference between somebody that says they know Jesus Christ and somebody 
that actually knows Jesus Christ. See, somebody could say that they know Jesus Christ until the cows come home. Come home. They could just say it with their lips. But true biblical faith that knows Jesus Christ, they want to follow Jesus Christ. We're not saved by our works, but a person that understands the faith and, uh, that comes from Jesus Christ and what he has done for, them on the, on, done for them on that cross drives them to want to live for him and to want to live for, live for Christ, for what he has done for them. The Bible says, 1 John 2, verse 4 to 6, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected, hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith he abide in him ought also so to walk, even as he has walked. I mean, if that doesn't hit the heart of a believer and he's just uh, trying to tick boxes and live uh, out his Christianity, uh, we've got to think about this. The Hebrew writer, he was uh, writing to these uh, people uh, that were kind of in this transitional period people that were hearing the gospel for the first time, people that were considering going back after hearing the gospel for the first time, uh, and they were thinking that their works or through the law of Moses that they uh, might find salvation. He's telling them, no, it's, it's, it's by faith that you are saved. That's what he's saying. Without faith it is impossible to please God. But just because you understand that it is through faith that you are saved and it is through faith that you also must live for the Lord. The moment that you are thinking that your works add to faith or your works add to the grace of God, you have lost it. It is only by faith that a man can be saved. But a man who lives, uh, who is saved by faith, by the grace of God, he wants to live by faith because of his love for the Lord. And these people that say, well, I can't believe in a God who I can't see. But that doesn't mean he's not there. See, God speaks to us through his word. All of his warnings and all of his statutes, they're written down for us. And, uh, you know, it's always been by the word in the past as well. Now, verbally through the prophets, and uh, now it's written down for us and uh, it's through Jesus Christ. Uh, that, we hear, that, we, that we get to know about Jesus Christ. It's all here in the Bible. Hebrews 1 ver, verses 1 to 4 says, God who at sundry times and, at, and in diverse manners spake in the time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by uh, whom also he made the words, the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he hath by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of, the, of, on, of majesty on high, being, being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. But when you think about Noah, uh, he was warned of God that, he would, uh, that the Lord would send rain to flood the earth. 
And Noah hadn't seen anything like this in his time. And, uh, but he didn't need to see it to believe it. He just believed it by faith. God told him it was going to happen. He'd never seen it. But he just believed it. Abraham and his immediate family, they never got to see the promises that were made to them. You know, they just believed in the promises of God by faith. You know, Abraham, he was promised that uh, he and uh, his seed would be given the country uh, called Israel. And uh, <coughs> that through him uh, and his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And when you think about it, Jesus Christ came through that nation. He's of the seed of Abraham. Now they just believed it by faith, but they never got to see the, the fulfilment of these things. It did eventually happen, but not in their lifetime. We look at verse 8 in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, and the heirs with him of the same promise. You know, but what, what kept him going? What kept Abraham going? Well, Abraham had faith in God and what he promised. You know, it says there, in verse 10, it says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah, it says, herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child uh, when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Uh, therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the sea shore innumerable. innumerable. So people of faith, they're looking past the here and the now. You know, not that the, the here and the now doesn't matter for anything, it's just that the, the here and the now is not where a, the, the true home is of a person that has biblical faith. So you look at verse 13, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth. So I think, I think about that and I wonder what that looked like. You now they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on earth, on the earth. So it's not like many of those chief rulers that believed on Jesus, but they didn't confess him. Now they were more concerned about losing their comforts on the earth, their place in the synagogue. Now, they didn't want to lose their uh, positions if they confessed Jesus Christ. See, people of biblical faith, uh, sorry, biblical faith confess that they are strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Look at verse 14 and 15. For, for, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country, once they came out, they might have had, a, had opportunity to have returned. See, I used to be uh, at home in this world. I used to find a lot of comfort in the things uh, that I was into. You know, my, uh, 
you know, surfing, um, my lifestyle, all these things. I used to find a lot of comfort there. That was my, my comfort place. And, uh, but my plain declaration now is that I'm just, I'm just a pilgrim here and I'm just passing through. Those things don't have the same allure as they once did for me. And, uh, you know, if, if, if my mind now was where it used to be, and you know, it wouldn't be too hard for me to go back. I could easily just go back. You know, I could go back to those things. They're not, they're just, they're just there. But I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I've got a, a faith uh, in my Saviour that those things just don't concern me anymore. You know, they don't. And, uh, you know, I'm not saying there's, 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 you know, something wrong with, you know, going for a paddle on a surfboard or something like that. But, I mean, it's, it's really nothing. I'm just passing through. There's, there's much better things, uh, to, in, in, not only uh, in the future, in, in heaven for me, but in this life. You know, when Abraham left Syria to go to the promised land, he wasn't going back. You know, his mind wasn't where it used to be. You know, if, if his mind was uh, where it used to be, it wouldn't have been too hard for him to go back either. I like what Albert Barnes uh, says regarding this. He says, The journey was not so long or perilous that they could not have retracted their steps. It would have been no more difficult or dangerous for them to do that than it was uh, to make the journey at the first. This shows that their remaining as strangers and sojourners in the land of Canaan was voluntary. They preferred it with all its inconveniences and hardships than to return to their native land. The same thing is true of all people of God now. If they choose to return to the world and to, to engage in all its vain pursuits, there's nothing to hinder them. There are opportunities enough. There are abundant uh, inducements held out. There are numerous frivolous and worldly friends who would welcome them to their society, rejoice to have them participate in their pleasure, and, wi and <coughs> willing that they should share in the honours and the wealth of the world, and, that, and they might even do it. There are multitudes of Christians who could grace, as they once did, the ballroom, who could, who could uh, charm the social party by song, and wit, who could rise to the highest posts of office, or, complete, or, or compete successfully with others in the race for that acquisition of fame, but they have tasted and seen enough of the vain pursuits of the world to satisfy them with their uh, uh, affections. Uh, but now their affections are now fixed on higher and nobler objects and they choose not to return to those pursuits again but to live as strangers and sojourners on the earth. And that's biblical faith. This is the biblical faith that pleases God. It's the kind of faith that says, I'm not going back. And uh, we sing that. You know, we sing that uh, as people are uh, getting baptised. And uh, they say, I'm not going back. And look at verse 16. It says, But now they desire a better country, that is, in heavenly. Wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. 
So true biblical faith, it just keeps trusting God no matter what situation you're placed in. You know, because the world and the devil, they're going to they're try and lure you back to that uh, old life. And, uh, you know, it's not always easy. You know, there's always going to be uh, hard times. You know, the devil's always there. He's a tempter. And, uh, you know, but, you know, the Christian faith, there's always times of joy. Absolutely, times of joy as well. You know, but it's not like what you'd hear, say, the prosperity gospel that you'll hear. You know, they don't have any room for the hard times. You know, they, they say that faith, it's going to get you out of the hard times. But that's not true biblical faith. True biblical faith is going to get you through those hard times. You know, verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, <coughs> excuse me, after the writer is using uh, these many examples uh, of people in the Old Testament who live by true biblical faith, he says this in verse 32, and he says, And what shall more I say? He says, For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets who faith subdued kingdoms, wrought white righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead raised to life again, others were tortured, not accepting uh, deliverance, that they may, may attain a better resurrection, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment, they were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not, not even worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, they received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. See, all these Old Testament people of faith, they never got to see uh, where it was all leading uh, in their lifetime. They believed in the promises of God and where it was leading, but they never got to see the fulfilment of the promises which are found in Jesus Christ. You know, they know now. They know. Now, they're in heaven uh, with Jesus Christ now in glory. It says there in verse 39, and these, all having, and these all having obtained a good report through faith. Then there's us. We know exactly what the promises led to. Now William MacDonald, he says it like this, he says, to put it another way, he says, the Old Testament believers were not as privileged as we are. He says, yet think of their thrilling triumphs and, and tremendous trials. Think of their exploits and their endurance. They lived on the other side of the cross. We live in the full glory of the cross. Yet how do our lives compare with them? He says, this is the, the, the cogent or the clear challenge of Hebrews chapter 11. In Hebrews chapter 12, it it, it, brings us, it brings it into this uh, side of the cross. So if the Old Testament believers 
could believe and endure in the faith with the limited knowledge uh, that they had, then we've really got no excuse to live by faith with the Lord. Now, there's no excuse. There's no excuse not to believe on Jesus Christ, but there's also no excuse not to live by faith with Jesus Christ. Now, it's all here in this book. Now, God has made it known to us. He's, made known, he's actually made it known to all the earth, and he continues to make it known. There's no excuse for anybody. But look at Hebrews chapter 12. <coughs> Excuse me. It says there, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Look at this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So Jesus, he's the author, and he's the finisher of our faith. It was always his plan to suffer and die that we might believe on him. It was always his plan to rise from the dead that we can be risen with him to eternal life. It was always his plan that we could live for him by faith. And it was all offered by Jesus Christ. And we just, we just need to look at him. We need to look to him. But how do we look to Jesus when he's seated at the right hand of the Father? Well, Jesus gave an answer to that. Jesus said in John chapter 6, verse 62 to 63, he says, And what if, what if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before? He, then he went on to say, It is the Spirit that quickeneth. He says, The flesh profiteth nothing. He says, Look at this. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So you want to see Jesus? I want to show him to you. He's in this book. Everything that we need to know about our Saviour is written down for us. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. We can live for Jesus Christ through his word, through, through the book that he gave us. It was God's plan all along that people would be saved by faith. It was always God's plan that people would live for the Lord by faith. Think about it, if it was by our own works or our own righteousness that we were saved, then we would all have no hope. Because we've all failed. If we had to come up with our own works or our own way to even live for the Lord, then we also have no hope. Because if we had to come up with our own way to live for the Lord, we'd have no hope. Because imagine what we'd come up with. We're going to let God say how we should live for the Lord. It's all written down for us in his word. And it's only by the grace of God that we can be saved by faith. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not, that's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Look at this. It says, It's not of works, lest any man should boast. 
So it was always God's plan to be saved by faith. But look at the next verse. It was always God's plan that you would live by faith as well. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So a person that is saved by faith, he understands that any works he does for the Lord is, does in no way save him. You can't add your works to grace. Anything that you do for the Lord can't save you, doesn't save you, you can't add to grace. But when a person understands the love and the mercy of God and salvation, that through Jesus Christ a man can be saved by faith, the free gift that we can just receive by faith, and it just makes you want to live for the Lord by faith. And then if it doesn't, if it doesn't, and maybe it's just head knowledge. If you haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins, then maybe today is the day. For those that are saved, those of us that are saved, are you ready to live by faith? By the things that are written in this book for us? You know, when we got saved, you know, we were ready to forsake the old life, crucify the old life, and live by faith. But we could, are, we, are you ready to continue to live by faith? We're saved by faith and we live by faith. It's not by works. But we want to live for the Lord. I mean, the Lord's works are, are beautiful to me. I, I want to live by faith. I'm not saved by what I do. Have you really understood the love of God to save us? The Apostle Paul said in Galatians 2.20, he says, I am crucified with Christ. He says, nevertheless I live, yet not I. He says, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, he says, I live, look at this, by the faith of the Son of God. But look at this, now here's what drove him. Who loved me and gave himself for me. If that doesn't hit a person's heart, if that's not what drives you to live for the Lord by faith, the love of God who sent his son to die for you, the love of Jesus Christ who gave himself for you, if that's not what drives you to live for the Lord by faith, then maybe that you're living for the Lord by works. For without faith, it is impossible to please him. We're going to live, live out our Christianity by faith. And it's because of the one who loved us and died for us, gave himself for us. See, biblical faith, it's not a formula. But we don't need to complicate it either. We just need to put our trust in the promises of God. Romans 10, Romans 10 verse 8 to 13, the Bible says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee. What does that mean? It's not, not very far away. It's not hard. But even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised, raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So we can see it there. It says, see, believing is from the heart. Living out Christianity is from the heart. It's not from the head. Yes, it starts in the head, but it needs to drop to the heart. Your mouth just confesses what's going on in your heart. You know, when you get saved, you're just confessing what the Lord has done in your heart. When you profess Jesus Christ, you're just professing what the Lord is continuing to do in your heart. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I thank the Lord for faith. I thank the Lord that we can be saved by faith. I thank the Lord that we can live by faith. And uh, because if it wasn't by faith, we'd all have no hope. So let's thank the Lord. Let's keep living for the Lord. But let's do it by faith. Because of the one who loved us and gave himself for us. He laid down his life for us. So we can be saved by faith and live out our Christianity by faith. Let's thank the Lord for that. Let's pray.